This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, new cases of coronavirus decline across the nation. But one top health expert warns the U.S. is in the eye of the hurricane as new virus strains show up at an alarming rate in America. Super spreader fears after maskless Super Bowl celebrations and the news tonight that a highly contagious strain of COVID-19 could be dominant in the U.S. in just weeks, worrying health officials. Plus the one vaccine that may be ineffective against the South African variant. Reopening schools, our exclusive interview with the president, what he says needs to happen to get kids back in the classroom. Is this a national emergency? It is a national emergency. Breaking news of Florida water system hacked. Authorities uncover a cyber attack meant to poison drinking water. How an operator figured it out just in time. Impeachment trial looms. The stage is set for former President Trump's second trial. His legal team reveals his defense the night before the Senate holds court. Up to $3,600 per child. Tonight, the new tax credit Democrats hope to add to the president's stimulus plan. Vaccine scams. The desperation to get vaccinated fuels a new type of crime. Vaccines for sale online. Freezing February. Bitter cold hits 80% of the country as the polar vortex hits the deep south. Terrifying avalanche caught on camera. How the snowmobilers got out. And from the oldest quarterback to an historic night for women. The sights and sounds from Super Bowl 55. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with some stunning news about just how quickly one of those highly contagious variants of the coronavirus is now spreading across the country. Scientists say cases of the UK variant now appear to be doubling here in the U.S. about every 10 days. Tonight, the president's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, calls that sobering news, saying that the new variant will become dominant across the country as soon as next month, and it could lead to a wave of new infections and ultimately more deaths. Now, that's one reason why experts are now worried about those Super Bowl celebrations after thousands of fans without masks partied in Tampa, Florida overnight, potentially rolling back progress in the fight against the virus. It comes even as the CDC says it is finally seeing new cases and hospitalizations dropping nationwide to some of the lowest levels since Thanksgiving. And tonight, the Biden administration says it's planning to put out guidance this week for how schools can reopen safely. In a moment, we'll have more of our exclusive interview with President Biden, including why he calls the current situation in schools a national emergency. We have a lot of new reporting for you tonight. Our team is standing by. CBS's Meg Oliver is going to lead off our coverage tonight from New York City. Good evening, Meg. Good evening, Nora. The race is on to vaccinate before new variants take hold. Here in New York City, they're on the verge of administering a million shots, but roughly a third of delivered doses have yet to be used. The CDC says similar scenarios are playing out nationwide. COVID cases and hospitalizations have declined dramatically, but tonight public health officials are urging caution. We have yet to control this pandemic. We still have this emerging threat of variants. Cases of the more contagious variant first detected in the UK are doubling nearly every 10 days. It could become the dominant strain in just a few weeks. Already in at least 34 states, including New Jersey, where it's having an impact. University Hospital in Newark now seeing a nearly 50 percent increase in admissions. All these variants do is encourage us to vaccinate people faster. The more people are vaccinated, the more we will be closer to herd immunity. But today, South Africa announced they're stopping the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine, saying it does not provide adequate protection against mild and moderate cases of the dominant variant there. The CDC announcing that Florida has more variant cases than any other state as maskless people partied in Tampa. And today we learned the first sitting member of Congress has died after being hospitalized with COVID. Texas Republican Ron Wright was 67. Meanwhile, New York Governor Cuomo says he hopes to reopen Broadway with some limitations, but gave no timeline. And tonight, the question remains how to safely reopen schools. San Francisco and Chicago have reached tentative agreements. But Philadelphia teachers said not so fast. The school district is hell-bent on forcing thousands of educators into unsafe buildings held together, in some cases quite literally, by duct tape. Superintendent William Height. How hard is it to balance the well-being of the students and the safety of the teachers? You have to do both, and, and individuals have to feel comfortable enough to, to feel that it is safe for them to return. Not having in-person learning is disproportionately impacting poor and minority children more than it's impacting others. Meanwhile, New York City announced they will reopen middle schools next at the end of the month, and a new mega vaccine site will open this week at City Field that will prioritize taxi and delivery food drivers. Nora? Meg Oliver, thank you. So what exactly needs to be done to allow the nation's schools to fully reopen? We pressed President Biden for answers in our exclusive interview. About 20 
million American children have not been in the classroom for nearly a year. There's a mental health crisis happening. There really is. Women are dropping out of the workforce. Is this a national emergency? It is a national emergency. It generally is a national emergency. And women are dropping out of the workforce because they either have to stay home with their children or if they had a job, go to work. And what do they do? Child care is extremely expensive. That's why one of the things in the proposal I put together provides for child care as well. Do you think it's time for schools to reopen? I think it's time for schools to reopen safely, safely. Teachers want to go back. My wife's a teacher. They want to go back to school. But what they are initially told, and the science seemed to dictate is, you have to have fewer people in the classroom. You have to have ventilation systems that have been reworked. You have to have more school buses because not as many kids can get on one school bus. You've got to have sanitation and in the uh, everything from the dining room to the laboratories. Our CDC commissioner is going to be coming out with science-based judgment within, I think, as early as Wednesday as the layout, what the minimum requirements are. I made a commitment that we try to get K through 8 back to school by the end of this 100 days. There are teachers' unions across the country, though, that are resisting efforts to open classrooms. Mike Bloomberg, you know Mike Bloomberg, yep. he has said it's time for Joe Biden to stand up to teachers' unions because kids are the most important things. Is that going to happen? They are. And I have. I've met with the teachers unions. They want to go back to school. They need some guidance. And to see more of our newsmaking interview with the president, you can go to cbsnews.com or download the CBS News app. Let's turn now to the president's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. Tonight, the details are coming into focus, including new help for families with young children. We get more now from CBS's Weijia Zhang at the White House. Today, President Biden took a virtual tour of the Arizona Cardinals Stadium. So come on in. Where FEMA helped open a 24-7 COVID vaccination site. The president's relief package calls for money to set up more sites. And a $15 an hour minimum wage, though he admitted the chances of that are slim. So you're saying the minimum wage won't be in this? My guess is it will not be in it. That was met with disappointment by progressive Senator Bernie Sanders, who tweeted the only way to raise the minimum wage is through the reconciliation process, which Democrats can use to pass the entire proposal without Republicans. Democrats also added a measure to expand the child tax credit from the current $2,000 per child to up to $3,600. That's something he certainly would support. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also fielded questions about Mr. Biden's remarks on Iran. Will the U.S. lift sanctions first in order to get Iran back to the negotiating table? No. They have to uh, stop enriching uranium first. Is this a non-negotiable point for President Biden? And if so, how do you get out of this stalemate? If Iran comes into full compliance with its obligations under the JCPOA, uh, the United States would do the same. The JCPOA is the Iran nuclear deal that former President Trump pulled out of. The press secretary also said that President Biden trusts his intelligence team to decide what to do if Mr. Trump ever asks for an intelligence briefing. That was after the president said in your interview that he doesn't think Mr. Trump should receive them due to his, quote, erratic behavior. Nora? Weijia Zhang there at the White House. Thank you, Weijia. 
And in the history of the United States, the Senate has only attempted to convict a president four times, and two of those involve former President Trump. And to get an idea of the sense of urgency, the Senate is willing to work on Valentine's Day and a federal holiday to try and speed this along. CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports tonight from the Capitol. House impeachment managers made the solemn walk across the Capitol today, preparing for the unprecedented second impeachment trial of a president. In a 78-page brief, former President Donald Trump's lawyers called the impeachment case sterile and thin, political theater, and a danger to our republic democracy and the rights that we hold dear. We already know how this is going to turn out. I mean, there, there's no chance that there's actually going to be a, a conviction. Aides to the former president say Mr. Trump will be watching the trial closely, but will not testify or provide a statement in his defense. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The Trump team argues statements like that from the morning of the Capitol siege are protected by the First Amendment and were meant in the figurative sense. They cite law enforcement reports that some people began planning to attack Congress before Mr. Trump's January 6th speech as further evidence his statements could not reasonably be interpreted as a call to immediate violence. House impeachment managers countered in a brief of their own. President Trump's incitement of insurrection was itself a frontal assault on the First Amendment. They call his behavior the most grievous constitutional crime ever committed by a president, adding he has no valid excuse or defense for his actions. Tonight, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is promising a fair hearing of the facts. There must be truth and accountability. Sweeping something as momentous as this under the rug brings no healing whatsoever. The trial will run six days a week, and to accommodate social distancing, senators may watch from the second floor gallery or on a TV from a room just off the Senate floor. Arguments will begin tomorrow afternoon focused on whether the impeachment trial is constitutional. On Wednesday, we expect House impeachment managers to begin up to 16 hours of arguments before the former president's team responds. Nora? Big week on Capitol Hill. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. Now to a shocking case of computer hacking in Pinellas County, Florida. Investigators are trying to hunt down the person who tried to poison a public water supply remotely. CBS's Jeff Pegues has new reporting. According to investigators, a plant operator monitoring the water plant in the Tampa Bay city of Oldsmar noticed computer breaches starting at about 8 a.m. Friday morning. The hacker was controlling the computer system's mouse and was able to increase the level of sodium hydroxide in the water supply from about 100 parts per million to more than 11,000 parts per million. Sheriff Bob Galtieri. This is obviously a significant and potentially dangerous increase. Uh, Sodium hydroxide, also known as lye, is the main ingredient in liquid drain cleaners. According to the Centers for Disease Control, if ingested in large amounts, sodium hydroxide can cause vomiting, chest, and abdominal pain. Fortunately, a plant operator immediately reduced the levels back to what was safe. Now, Secret Service and FBI cyber units are trying to determine who is behind the hack, whether it was someone here in the U.S. or overseas. It occurred just two days before the Super Bowl in a city less than 20 miles away from Raymond James Stadium. Jeff Begay, CBS News, Washington. And tonight, law enforcement is warning of a growing number of online scams tied to COVID vaccinations. We get details on this from CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. Demand for the vaccine is fueling a new type of scam, vaccines for sale, according to a report out tomorrow obtained by CBS News. Our investigation found that 
There are criminals and scammers who are preying on Americans who are desperate to get the vaccine. Investigators say they found sellers through Facebook posts like this one, referring to a Chinese COVID-19 vaccine to get around Facebook's defenses. Once they clicked on Facebook Messenger on this link, someone tried to sell them a vaccine produced by Sinovac, which is not approved for use in the U.S. Eric Feinberg is an illicit drug sales expert. So maybe it's not even about selling the vaccine. Maybe it's just about you know financial fraud separating the person from their money. Investigator Tom Galvin says he paid $100 for the Pfizer vaccine from another online seller. So far, all he's gotten is a letter asking for more money. We made a purchase. A week later, we have not received it. They're pushing social media companies to do more. So your point is, if you can find these pages, they, as these companies, giants that they are, should be able to as well. Yes, definitely. And this and this is the argument, you know, we've made. The Department of Homeland Security says these sites are becoming a growing problem. There are dozens of them out there. We are regularly encountering them. We are taking them down on a daily basis. We're working with other law enforcement, with prosecutors to take them down. The bottom line, he says, the legitimate vaccines are not for sale. Manuel Bohorquez, CBS News, Miami. And tonight, Facebook tells CBS News they took down the pages in the report and have expanded efforts to remove vaccine misinformation. All right, tonight, a huge mass of Arctic air is tightening its grip on the northern U.S. and won't let go until next week. CBS's Lonnie Quinn has the bone-chilling forecast, including what's coming, a double blast of snow, right? Good evening, Lonnie. Yes. Yeah. Good evening to you, Nora. The polar vortex is a big batch of ice-cold air that sticks up around the Arctic. Now, during the winter, it will drop to the south, but what happens right now, it's being dislodged and being pushed well south. For example, Dallas, Texas over the weekend is barely going to get above the freezing mark, and a good chunk of the country feels that cold there. Seattle, you could be setting some record lows. And look at this one. Tomorrow morning, Williston, North Carolina, North Dakota, Williston, North Dakota feels like 44 degrees below zero. By Wednesday morning, Buffalo feels like zero. Boston feels like about 11 degrees, and that's not going to break for maybe seven to ten days straight. Now you're going to mix in some moisture and there's some snow out there. You look at this. Three inches or so falling around Chicago. By tomorrow, about three inches in New York City. Then you're going to watch another storm develop Wednesday in Chicago. That will merge with a secondary storm. Even a place like D.C. By the time this week is up, Nora, you've missed the big snowstorms. This could be a big snowstorm before the week is over for you folks in the nation's capital. Oh, need to find some skis. All right, Lonnie Quinn, you thank you. <laughs> Tonight, a search continues in northern India for more than 150 people missing after devastating floods and mudslides. They may have been caused by a piece of glacier breaking off from a mountain, sending floodwaters roaring across a valley. At least 26 people have been killed. Back here at home, at least 14 people were killed in avalanches in the past week. That's the most in more than a century. Some snowmobilers in Utah got lucky after they were swallowed up by the snow. The giant wave of snow buried some of them up to their necks, but all were able to dig themselves out. If there's one word to sum up the Super Bowl, how about this? Historic for a lot of reasons. CBS's Jamie Yukas reports tonight from Tampa. Right here, here's Brady. Super Bowl 55 was studded with firsts. At 43, Tom Brady became the oldest player ever to win a title. His seventh. And there's more to come, right, Tom? Yeah, we're coming back. It was the first Super Bowl ever played during a global pandemic. 
and frontline workers shared center stage. We honor our three captains. Saluted by 22-year-old Amanda Gorman with the first poem ever recited at a Super Bowl. For while we honor them today, it is they who every day honor us. Grammy-winning singer Her wowed with America the Beautiful. While R&B star Jasmine Sullivan performed the national anthem side-by-side with country music singer Eric Church. It was also a night where women continued to inspire. One is an official, two is coaches, and another overhead as a bomber pilot leading that spectacular military flyover. All in a night where the storylines stretched beyond the game. Jamie Ucas, CBS News, Tampa. Tomorrow, CBS News will have live coverage of the former President Trump's impeachment trial, and we'll have the latest reporting on the CBS Evening News. Reminder that if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you tomorrow. I hope you have a good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.